Section 5 of an essay concerning human understanding. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Malone. An essay concerning human understanding by John Locke. Other considerations concerning innate properties, both speculative and practical. Part 1. Chapter 3. 1. Principles not innate, unless their ideas be innate. Had those who would persuade us that there are innate principles not taken them together in gross, but considered separately the parts out of which those propositions are made, they would not, perhaps, have been so forward to believe they were innate, since if the ideas which made up those truths were not, it was impossible that the propositions made up of them should be innate, or our knowledge of them be born with us. For if the ideas be not innate, there was a time when the mind was without those principles, and then they will not be innate, but be derived from some other original. For where the ideas themselves are not, there can be no knowledge, no assent, no mental or verbal propositions about them. 2. Ideas, especially those belonging to principles, not born with children. If we will attentively consider newborn children, we shall have little reason to think that they bring many ideas into the world with them, for, baiting, perhaps, some faint ideas of hunger, and thirst and warmth, and some pains which they may have felt in the womb, there is not the least appearance of any settled ideas at all in them, especially of ideas answering the terms which make up those universal propositions that are esteemed innate principles. One may perceive how, by degrees, afterwards, ideas come into their minds, and that they get no more, nor other, than what experience, and the observation of things that come in their way, furnish them with, which might be enough to satisfy us that they are not original characters stamped on the mind. 3. Impossibility and Identity Not Innate Ideas It is impossible for the same thing to be and not to be is certainly, if there be any such, an innate principle. But can anyone think, or will anyone say, that impossibility and identity are two innate ideas? Are they such as all mankind have, and bring into the world with them? And are they those which are the first in children, and antecedent to all acquired ones? If they are innate, they must needs be so. Hath a child an idea of impossibility and identity, before it has of white or black, sweet or bitter? And is it from the knowledge of this principle that it concludes that wormwood rubbed on the nipple 
hath not the same taste that it used to receive from thence? Is it the actual knowledge of impossible est idem esse et non esse that makes a child distinguish between its mother and a stranger, or that makes it fond of the one and flee the other? Or does the mind regulate itself and its assent by ideas that it never yet had? Or the understanding draw conclusions from principles which it never yet knew or understood? The names impossibility and identity stand for two ideas, so far from being innate or born with us, that I think it requires great care and attention to form them right in our understandings. They are so far from being brought into the world with us, so remote from the thoughts of infancy and childhood, that I believe, upon examination, it will be found that many grown men want them. For identity, an idea not innate. If identity, to instance that alone, be a native impression, and consequently so clear and obvious to us that we must needs know it even from our cradles, I would gladly be resolved by any one of seven or seventy years old, whether a man, being a creature consisting of soul and body, be he the same man when his body is changed, whether Euphorbus and Pythagoras having had the same soul, were the same men, though they lived several ages asunder. Nay, whether the cock, too, which had the same soul, were not the same with both of them, whereby, perhaps, it will appear that our ideas of sameness is not so settled and clear as to deserve to be thought innate in us. For if those innate ideas are not clear and distinct, so as to be universally known and naturally agreed on, they cannot be subjects of universal and undoubted truths, but will be the unavoidable occasion of perpetual uncertainty. For, I suppose, everyone's idea of identity will not be the same that Pythagoras and thousands of his followers have, and which then shall be true, which innate, or are there two different ideas of identity, both innate. 5. What makes the same man? Nor let anyone think that the questions I have here proposed about the identity of man are bare empty speculations, which, if they were, would be enough to show that there was in the understandings of men no innate idea of identity. He that shall, with a little attention, reflect on the resurrection, and consider that divine justice will bring to judgment at the last day, the very same persons, to be happy or miserable in the other, who did well or ill in this life, will find it perhaps not easy to resolve with himself what makes the same man, or wherein identity consists, and will not be forward to think he and every one, even children themselves, have naturally a clear idea of it, whole and part, not innate ideas. Let us examine that principle of mathematics, namely, 
that the whole is bigger than a part. This, I take it, is reckoned amongst innate principles. I am sure it has as good a title as any to be thought so, which yet nobody can think it to be when he considers the ideas it comprehends in it. Whole and part are perfectly relative, but the positive ideas to which they properly and immediately belong are extension and number, of which alone whole and part are relations. So that if a whole and part are innate ideas, extension and number must be so too, it being impossible to have an idea of a relation without having any at all of the thing to which it belongs and in which it is founded. Now, whether the minds of men have naturally imprinted on them the ideas of extension and number, I leave to be considered by those who are the patrons of innate principles. 7. Idea of worship not innate. That God is to be worshipped is, without doubt, as great a truth as any that can enter into the mind of man, and deserves the first place amongst all practical principles. But yet it can by no means be thought innate unless the ideas of God and worship are innate. That the idea the term worship stands for is not in the understanding of children, and a character stamped on the mind in its first original, I think will be easily granted by anyone that considers how few there be amongst grown men who have a clear and distinct notion of it. And, I suppose, there cannot be anything more ridiculous than to say that children have this practical principle, innate, that God is to be worshipped, and yet that they know not what that worship of God is, which is their duty but to pass by this. 8. Idea of God not innate. If any idea can be imagined innate, the idea of God may, of all others, for many reasons be thought so, since it is hard to conceive how there should be innate moral principles without an innate idea of a deity. Without a notion of a lawmaker, it is impossible to have a notion of a law and an obligation to observe it. Besides, the atheists, taken notice of amongst the ancients and left branded upon the records of history, hath not navigation discovered in these later ages whole nations at the Bay of Soldania in Brazil and in the Caribbean islands, and so on, amongst whom there was to be found no notion of a god, no religion. Nicolaus del Techo, in Literis ex Paraquaria de Caeguarum Conversione, has these words, Repari eam gentem nolum nomen habere quod deum et hominis animam significat, nola sacra habet, nola idola. 
and perhaps if we should with attention mind the lives and discourses of people not so far off, we should have too much reason to fear that many in more civilized countries have no very strong and clear impressions of a deity upon their minds, and that the complaints of atheism made from the pulpit are not without reason. And though only some profligate wretches own it too barefacedly now, yet perhaps we should hear more than we do of it from others, did not the fear of the magistrate's sword or their neighbor's censure tie up people's tongues, which were the apprehensions of punishment or shame taken away, would as openly proclaim their atheism as their lives do. 9. The name of God, not universal or obscure in meaning. But had all mankind everywhere a notion of a God, whereof yet history tells us the contrary, it would not from thence follow that the idea of him was innate. For though no nation were to be found without a name, and some few dark nations of him, yet that would not prove them to be natural impressions on the mind, no more than the names of fire, or the sun, heat, or number, do prove the ideas they stand for to be innate, because the names of those things, and the ideas of them, are so universally received and known amongst mankind. Nor, on the contrary, is the want of such a name, or the absence of such a notion out of men's minds, any argument against the being of a god, any more than it would be a proof that there was no lodestone in the world, because a great part of mankind had neither a notion of any such thing, nor a name for it or be any show of argument to prove that there are no distinct and various species of angels or intelligent beings above us, because we have no ideas of such distinct species or names for them. For men, being furnished with words by the common language of their own countries, can scarce avoid having some kind of ideas of those things whose names those they converse with have occasion frequently to mention to them. And if they carry with it the notion of excellency, greatness, or something extraordinary, if apprehension and concernment accompany it, if the fear of absolute and irresistible power set it upon the mind, the idea is likely to sink the deeper and spread the further, especially if it be such an idea as is agreeable to the common light of reason, and naturally deductible from every part of our knowledge, as that of a god is. For the visible marks of extraordinary wisdom and power appear so plainly in all the works of the creation, that a rational creature who will but seriously reflect on them cannot miss the discovery of a deity and the influence that the discovery of such a being must necessarily have on the minds of all that have but once heard of it is so great, and carries such a weight of thought and communication with it, that it seems stranger to me that a whole nation of men should be anywhere found so brutish as to want the notion of a god 
than that they should be without any notion of numbers or fire. 10. Ideas of God and of fire. The name of God being once mentioned in any part of the world to express a superior, powerful, wise, invisible being, the suitableness of such a notion to the principles of common reason and the interest men will always have to mention it often, must necessarily spread it far and wide, and continue it down to all generations. Though we at the general reception of this name, and some imperfect and unsteady notions conveyed thereby to the unthinking part of mankind, prove not the idea to be innate, but only that they who made the discovery had made a right use of their reason, thought maturely of the causes of things, and traced them to their original, from whom other less considering people, having once received so important a notion, it could not easily be lost again. 11. Idea of God not innate. This is all could be inferred from the notion of a God, were it to be found universally in all the tribes of mankind, and generally acknowledged by men grown to maturity in all countries. For the generality of the acknowledging of a God, as I imagine, is extended no further than that, which, if it be sufficient to prove the idea of God innate, will as well prove the idea of fire innate, since I think it may be truly said that there is not a person in the world who has a notion of a God who has not also the idea of fire. I doubt not, but if a colony of young children should be placed in an island where no fire was, they would certainly neither have any notion of such a thing, nor name for it, how generally soever it were received and known, in all the world besides. And, perhaps too, their apprehensions would be as far removed from any name or notion of a god, till someone amongst them had employed his thoughts to inquire into the constitution and causes of things, which would easily lead him to the notion of a god, which having once taught to others, reason and the natural propensity of their own thoughts would afterwards propagate and continue amongst them, suitable to God's goodness, that all men should have an idea of him, therefore naturally imprinted by him, answered, Indeed, it is urged that it is suitable to the goodness of God to imprint upon the minds of men characters and notions of himself, and not to leave them in the dark and doubt in so grand a concernment, and also, by that means, to secure to himself the homage and veneration due from so intelligent a creature as man, and therefore he has done it. The argument, if it be of any force, will prove much more than those who use it, in this case, expect from it. For if we may conclude that God hath done for men all that men shall judge is best for them, because it is suitable to his goodness to do so, 
it will prove not only that God has imprinted on the minds of men an idea of himself, but that he hath plainly stamped there, in fair characters, all that men ought to know or believe of him, all that they ought to do in obedience to his will, and that he hath given them a will and affections conformable to it. This, no doubt, every one will think better for men than that they should, in the dark, grope after knowledge, as St. Paul tells us, all nations did after God. Acts 17.27 Then that their wills should clash with their understandings, and their appetites cross their duty. The Romanists say it is best for man, and so suitable to the goodness of God, that there should be an infallible judge of controversies on earth, and therefore there is one. And I, by the same reason, say it is better for men that every man himself should be infallible. I leave them to consider whether, by the force of this argument, they shall think that every man is so. I think it a very good argument to say. The infinitely wise God hath made it so, and therefore it is best. But it seems to me a little too much confidence of our own wisdom to say, I think it best, and therefore God hath made it so. And in the matter in hand, it will be in vain to argue from such a topic that God hath done so, when certain experience shows us that he hath not. But the goodness of God hath not been wanting to men, without such original impressions of knowledge or ideas stamped on the mind, since he hath furnished man with those faculties which will serve for the sufficient discovery of all things requisite to the end of such a being. And I doubt not but to show that a man, by the right use of his natural abilities, may, without any innate principles, attain a knowledge of a God and other things that concern him. God having endued man with these faculties of knowledge which he hath, was no more obliged by his goodness to plant those innate notions in his mind than that, having given him reason, hands, and materials, he should build him bridges or houses which some people in the world, however, of good parts, do either totally want, or are but ill provided of, as well as others are wholly without ideas of God and principles of morality, or at least have but very ill ones, the reason in both cases being that they never employed their parts, faculties, and powers industriously that way but contented themselves with the opinions, fashions, and things of their own country as they found them, without looking any further. Had you or I been born at Bay of Soldania, probably our thoughts and notions had not exceeded those brutish ones of the Hottentots that inhabit there. And had the Virginia king Apoconcana been educated in England, he had been perhaps as knowing and divine, and as good a mathematician as any in it. The difference between him and a more improved Englishman lying barely in this, that the exercise of his faculties was bounded 
within the ways, modes, and notions of his own country, and never directed to any other or further inquiries. And if he had not any idea of a god, it was only because he pursued not those thoughts that would have led him to it. 13. Ideas of God Various in Different Men I grant that if there were any ideas to be found imprinted on the minds of men, we have reason to expect it should be in the notion of his maker, as a mark God set on his own workmanship, to mind man of his dependence and duty, and that herein should appear the first instances of human knowledge. But how late is it before any such notion is discoverable in children? And when we find it there, how much more does it resemble the opinion and notion of the teacher than represent the true God? He that shall observe in children the progress whereby their minds attain the knowledge they have, will think that the objects they do first and most familiarly converse with are those that make the first impressions on their understandings nor will he find the least footsteps of any other. It is easy to take notice how their thoughts enlarge themselves, only as they come to be acquainted with a greater variety of sensible objects, to retain the ideas of them in their memories, and to get the skill to compound and enlarge them, and several ways put them together how, by these means, they come to frame in their minds an idea men have of a deity. I shall hereafter show. 14. Contrary and inconsistent ideas of God under the same name. Can it be thought that the ideas men have of God are the characters and marks of himself, engraven in their minds by his own finger, when we see that, in the same country, under one and the same name, men have far different, nay, often contrary and inconsistent ideas and conceptions of him, their agreeing in a name or sound will scarce prove an innate notion of him. 15. Gross Ideas of God what true or tolerable notion of a deity could they have who acknowledged and worshipped hundreds? Every deity that they owned above one was an infallible evidence of their ignorance of him, and a proof that they had no true notion of God, where unity, infinity, and eternity were excluded, to which, if we add their gross conceptions of corporeity expressed in their images and representations of their deities, the amours, marriages, copulations, lusts, quarrels, and other mean qualities attributed by them to their gods, we shall have little reason to think that the heathen world, that is, the greater part of mankind, had such ideas of God in their minds as he himself out of care that they should not be mistaken about him, was author of. And this universality of consent, so much argued, if it prove any native impressions, it will only be this, 
that God imprinted on the minds of all men speaking the same language a name for himself, but not any idea, since those people who agreed in the name had, at the same time, far different apprehensions about the thing signified. If they say that the variety of deities worshipped by the heathen world were but figurative ways of expressing the several attributes of that incomprehensible being, or several parts of his providence, I answer, what they might be in the original I will not here inquire, but that they were so in the thoughts of the vulgar I think nobody will affirm. And he that will consult the voyage of the Bishop of Berite, chapter 13, not to mention other testimonies, will find that the theology of the Siamites professedly owns a plurality of gods, or, as the Abbe de Choisy more judiciously remarks in his Journal du Voyage de Siam, 107, 177, it consists properly in acknowledging no god at all. 16. Idea of God not innate, although wise men of all nations come to have it. If it be said that wise men of all nations came to have true conceptions of the unity and infinity of the deity, I grant it. But then this, first, excludes universality of consent in anything but the name, for those wise men being very few, perhaps one of a thousand, this universality is very narrow. Secondly, it seems to me plainly to prove that the truest and best notions men have of God were not imprinted, but acquired by thought and meditation, and a right use of their faculties, since the wise and considerate men of the world, by a right and careful employment of their thoughts and reason, attain true notions in this, as well as other things whilst the lazy and inconsiderate part of men, making far the greater number, took up their notions by chance, from common tradition and vulgar conceptions, without much beating their heads about them. And if it be a reason to think the notion of God innate, because all wise men had it, virtue too must be thought innate for that also wise men have always had. End of section 5, reading by Malone.